Well, it's been a while, but don't worry. Jake <laughs> is going to tell all of you exactly why that's been. Oh, uh, life. Life is busy. School is hard. Having to get through all this. I mean, we're still watching football a lot. Uh, Listen, I'll never stop I mean, it consumes football. our lives. So, uh, I, I mean, that that hasn't changed. It's just finding time to do all this is the uh, is the hard part. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. And well, listen, we don't want to keep the audience on the edge of their seat. Let's get right into it. Why don't you tell me about your uh, top 15 offensive players in this 2023 NFL draft? And, of course, if you have any honorable mentions, I would love to hear about them as well. But, but you yeah. know, but, you know keep, keep that going quick. We, they're not even in the top 15. They're not that important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, three honorable mentions to really focus on. Uh, Darnell Washington from uh, Georgia. Just a massive tight end. Massive tight end that I can't wait to see play in the league. Uh, just the evaluation of him was so hard because he doesn't line up in line. So I never really got to see him as a blocker uh, that much, which a guy like him, I need to see as a blocker to get a good, proper evaluation out of him. And he's just way too big sometimes, and I don't know if that's going to affect him or not going in uh, to the league. So he didn't make it on the list. I got Hendon Hooker. Uh, The injury and also him being 25 are the big things that kept him off this list. I think he is substantially better than uh, Will Levis. And the only thing that I think gives Will Levis an edge over him is that Will Levis is not 25 and not coming off a serious injury, which is why he's going to get drafted ahead of Hendon Hooker. But if those two factors weren't a thing, I think Hendon Hooker would definitely be a without a doubt first round quarterback. Uh, And then lastly, uh, Israel Abanacanda running back out of pit. Uh, if you like Jameer Gibbs, but you do not want to spend a first or second round pick on Jameer Gibbs, he's the running back for you. And some team is definitely going to take him because they really like what they see from Jameer Gibbs. They're like, man, that skill set would be amazing on our team. But I don't want to use that pick, that high of a pick on a running back. So you can wait until the third or fourth round take Israel of Banacanda and you're getting a similar skill set maybe with a not enough juice to it but uh I, I really liked what I saw from him I, I feel uh, like those are my three important honorable mentions there I, I feel like I feel like uh you know the the important thing for you with any running back that you're gonna say is an amazing late round talent is that they just have some sort of ridiculous last name uh, I, yeah. I didn't even watch him, so I can't even say anything about him. Oh. And then, um, I mean, if you're talking about it, if, if you're just, you know, looking ahead and uh, predicting out your list in front of you, um, if, if uh, the, the 25-year-old thing was holding you back, but it wouldn't have been holding you back without the injury, I'm guessing we're about to hear Stetson Bennett's name within your top 15. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. A healthy 25-year-old's way better than an unhealthy 25-year-old. Okay. Yeah, just wanted to make sure. All right, I'm ready. I'm I'm ready for it, and I'm not too upset yet. All right, number fifteen on my list, running back out of Texas, not the one you're thinking. It's his backup, Roshan uh, Roshan Johnson, uh, Bijan Robinson's backup running back, and he intrigued me so much watching him. Uh, just because he's a backup running back and he brought something to the table that uh, every other running back that I watched 
didn't have, and that's he is not phenomenal. Uh, phenomenal. Uh, I can't even talk right now. I'm so excited. Uh, phenomenal at one particular thing, and it feels like most of the running backs that I watched, really good pass catcher, really good downhill runner, great vision. He is kind of a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none kind of guy. Uh, not really excelling at much, but he is super versatile. They lined him up out wide. They were giving him uh, goal-line looks that would probably go to Bijan, but they are giving it to him. And just watching his tape, too, the thing that was so much fun watching it, there was not a lot of big plays. All of his highlights were him getting just down and dirty and getting the nasty first downs that you need to keep a drive alive. And there's always going to be a spot for a guy like that in the NFL. Uh, and I think he's way better than where he was, at least the list that I was looking at at prospects, where he's projected in the all the running backs. He's so much better uh, than where I saw him. And him being Bijan's backup saves him on tread. Uh, wasn't getting that many carries. It also underrates him so much. So he he's going to be a steal for some team. And if they can use him and develop him right, he has a chance to be one of the best running backs to come out of this class. That's it, that's really interesting. I think it's I think it's really funny thinking about how we operate. Like we've we've already made the jokes, and just in case the jokes weren't clear, we've we've gotten busy with a few things. <laughs> mostly this dumb schoolwork that keeps coming up for us. But the fun thing is, then we get to talk to each other about football still a lot, even if we don't do it on camera. But the funny thing is when it comes to draft time, it's like we definitely, even as individuals, don't have time to be able to watch. 300 guys to know every single person that's going to be drafted in the two, top 250 guys so you've already put me onto two running backs that i didn't even get a chance to watch yet so um i i honestly knew i i knew um that the texas backup running back was actually fairly highly rated but i didn't even get to him i stopped before i got to him uh within the rankings that i was using to look at guys so nothing else on him as well oh all right then so so all, all I'm hearing is I'm right so far. Uh, but that's probably going to change with this next one. At 14, wide receiver out of Tennessee, Jalen Hyatt. Uh, absolute burner. Uh, just the, the compliment of him and uh, what's the other receiver's name? I, I know me saying that just shows Tennessee? that he's not going to be. Y- yeah. Cedric yeah. Tillman. Yeah, Cedric Tillman. Him and Cedric Tillman were just such a great combo of receivers to watch and it sucks so much that those guys didn't even get a full season to play next to each other uh because of Cedric Tillman's injury but his injury allowed Jalen Hyatt to just go off and show the insane speed that he has to just blow past guys be a real number one receiver in that offense uh and I can't figure out if it's intelligence that he has or just such uh, confidence in his speed to blow past guys when he is when he sees that he's double covered or even just tightly contested single coverage and he's still throwing his hand up to get Hendon Hooker to launch that ball downfield. That was something great to watch. And I mean, these guys are all in my top fifteen. I don't really have much uh, negative to say about them. I don't really have anything negative to say about Jalen Hyde either. I just like the receivers that were in the class ahead of him, and I like all the other guys that are ahead of him more. But uh, seeing him come onto the scene, B. 
be fifth in the nation in receiving yards while being 41st in catches is crazy. But also that Tennessee uh, offense definitely did uh, work to his strength to create opportunities for him downfield by just launching the ball. It seemed like every play, at least whenever I watched him during the season. Well, I, I do think it would be a poor decision to uh, knock a guy for playing to his strengths. I think that's generally no, yeah, speaking, of course. speaking what we want to do. So I'm don't worry. I'm not I'm not worried about that. And the other thing I would say based off uh, looking at these guys in the past for the receiver positions where it was like, oh, my God, they're just catching deep ball after deep ball after deep ball. Um, sometimes there's specific guys that still are able to stand out just having that be such a huge part of their game. And just because, and I think specifically with him, one of the important things to realize is, okay, it's not always bad to have three routes in your route tree. If you run all three of those routes at a great level, then that's enough to even mess with a solid DB in the NFL. Um, to be the best in the NFL, it may not work, but I don't think anybody's going to draft him. I, I, I well, I don't know. He, he's he's higher for you than he is for me. Um, but I don't think anybody's going to draft him to be a number one from my perspective. If they do that, then maybe it could become a concern. But if he's playing two or anything else, I'd like his skill set and where he could develop to. Yeah, that was... Something and also it leads us in great to my number 13 here, too. Uh, looking at the receivers, I went back and looked at the guys that we uh ranked two years ago going into the draft and was trying to see like where my views have changed in evaluation, everything. And I think this next guy uh shows a little bit of uh, how that's changed, and that's Jordan Addison, wide receiver out of USC. Very, very similar. Uh, to Amon Ross St. Brown when I watched him two years ago. Very similar route trees. Uh, very similar strengths in that USC offense. But obviously that USC offense is better now that uh, Lincoln Riley's there and uh, Caleb Williams and everything. But uh, he has a more diverse route tree than Amon Ra. Uh, or no, what did I say? I, I want to say he has a diverse route tree, but instead of diverse, it is more interesting because he doesn't have like a lot of intermediate routes to work with. He's either going deep or he's running like a five yard out. And those are the only two routes that you see him getting a lot of production on or a bubble screen. It's such a weird like trio of routes that he has in his wheelhouse to get touchdowns and make big plays. He's either making big catches down the field or catching these little bubble screens, these little out routes for uh, touchdowns inside the 10, which I, it, it was really fun to watch that because I, I didn't get to watch a lot of USC uh, this past season just because we live on the East Coast, and when those West Coast games get played, it's time for bed. See, uh, see you, 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 you sleep better than I do. So when you when you want to go to sleep, you get into bed. Uh, no, no, I, I I did watch a fairly decent amount of USC. Um, you know, I'll 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 just say with with how this is trending, I'm going to guess that he's not the last receiver inside of your top fifteen. And um, the only thing I'll hint towards past this is that I'm guessing our uh, receiver rankings are trending in very different directions. Okay. Okay. 
Uh, I have, what else did I have here on Addison? Uh, yeah, just, I, and I think this for most of the receivers in the class outside of one guy, I don't think any of them are going to be number one receivers in the NFL. If you're drafting any of these guys and really expecting them to come in and be that guy and fill in that number one role, you're really hoping and praying there because I don't think a lot of them can do that outside of the exception of one. And even with him, there's still uh, a little iffiness with there uh, about that with me. Uh, and going to 12 now, a pick that, uh, or just a guy that you and I were raving about all season this past year. Running back out of Kansas State. Oh. Deuce Vaughn. Oh, <laughs> it's like whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait, I was like, who, who are we talking about? But okay, okay. Deuce Vaughn. Okay. Uh, he's. I mean, I hate making comparisons to other players, but come on, this this guy's Darren Sproles. Uh he's so entertaining to watch. He is a big play just waiting to happen. If you think size is a real concern with him, I mean, you're kidding yourself out. You're cheating yourself out of like the talent that is right there in front of you and what he can do. He can play special teams. He can be a third down back. I he's he's definitely not an every down back. You're not getting that with him. Uh but bring him out on third down, use him on special teams. You, good value in there. Uh what did I say? Please 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 get this man a team that will actually use him because he has stud potential. I just don't want some team that has a loaded backfield, or not even a loaded backfield, but some team that just doesn't use utilize their uh, players to their maximum potential, especially when it comes at the expense of other players. I'm just thinking about the Bills right now, uh, and just, like, I know the Bills won't take him. If they do, I'm going to be so upset. Uh, but I just need a team to get him so he uh, can really reach his maximum potential. And going back, watching him play, all, hearing all of K-State's stadium just yell deuce whenever he gets the ball, not not even breaks off a big run, just when they hand him the ball is insane. And how polarizing a guy that's five foot five can be on your football team, because not because he's five foot five, but because of how good he is and how much of a game changer and a game wrecker for the other team he is, is insane. And I love that about him. Well, I I definitely think um, I, I think that this is really interesting to come in, come at this from this perspective as opposed to how we did it in the past, looking at just the position groups individually. Because just trying to you know balance out like who's the best at what is is really interesting while we're doing this. Um, but what I have to say about him is obviously you 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 look back to how Darren Sproles' career went and when Darren Sproles came out like when they were doing his measurements at the combine or at his pro day one of the two I think he got a combine invite so I think it was at the combine but like guys were like laughing at some of his measurements like when his height came out and stuff and it's like what they fail to understand is when you're actually on the field if you can put a player that is the caliber um of of a player that he is specifically at the running back position with the skill set he has in that smaller frame the only thing that that hurts is potentially 
a small amount of pass catching out of the backfield because it's a slightly smaller target. But he's still going to be the guy that's closer more often than not. He's not the guy you're trying to throw the ball 60 yards down the field to. That actually mm-hmm. is much more helpful to be six foot four and have 40 foot arms to reach out and catch the ball if you overthrow it a little bit. If you miss that dump down throw, you shouldn't be an NFL quarterback. The actual important part is that having a smaller guy with the football, but he has the same ability, he's more difficult to tackle. And the last thing with that, well, not only because of the lower center of gravity, but just because you have less of a human being to actually reach out and make a play on um, to tackle him. Uh, The last thing is just, yeah, no, um, if there's a place I want to see him go, it's Denver, because I have no doubt that Sean Payton is going to be the guy that would actually take advantage of him, and I don't know if any other coach would be willing to actually not just get held up on his size, which is a stupid thing to consider with um, his weight not really being an issue and his size actually being to his advantage at the position, in my opinion. Yeah, completely agree. I, I Sean Payton's perfect fit. That's so good. Uh, moving on here, though, on my list, I think I'm going to talk about 11 and 10 in the same uh, conversation here because they were so close for me, and they played the same position. Uh, 10 edges out 11 just a little bit, uh, but that would be number 11, Michael Meyer, tight end. Notre Dame, and Dalton Kincaid, tight end, Utah. Uh, both of these guys, I, I mean, they look identical on tape. I Dalton Kincaid is a little bit better of a blocker from what I saw than Michael Meyer is, or M- Michael Mayer, wow. Uh, but both of them, I wrote the same thing down because uh, I forgot what I wrote for, I think I watched Mayer first. And then I took a break, came back, watched Kincaid, and I forgot what I wrote about Mayer. But for both of them, I said, uh, he is everything I thought, Pat, or he's everything I was told Pat Fryermuth was going to be before I watched him two years ago. Because uh, hearing Pat Fryermuth be called Baby Gronk and all the talk about the big plays that he was making at Penn State and then seeing his film, I'm like, yeah, this guy isn't. That like I don't see any of that potential in him to become that, and I'd say it's fair that it hasn't shaken out that way with him. Uh, with these guys though, there's serious potential for that. Uh, I'd say even more potential in Dalton Kincaid, just because he's been playing the position for such a shorter amount of time than Michael Mayer has. He only played one year of high school football, and then walked on at. Uh, I think it was San Diego State and then transferred to uh, Utah. But seeing what he's doing with like six years of football, because he was a fifth-year senior, but six years of football under his belt and him being considered one of the top tight ends in the class is insane, and I can't imagine the kind of potential that can be unlocked in him. And the same thing with uh, Michael Mayer. Uh, he makes insanely athletic circus catches, and has really soft hands, but I just didn't see him block that much. And when you're evaluating tight ends, one thing, I, I mean, you could look at my tight end rankings from two years ago. I highly valued uh, blocking to the point where, uh, what's his face? Uh, he's on the pan. 
yeah, Tommy Trumbull was one of my top tight ends because he's such a smooth blocker. I mean, he's been great on the Panthers, but uh, didn't really see that much out of these guys. Saw a little bit more of it. Uh, saw a little bit more out of it from Dalton Kincaid than I did Michael Mayer. Uh, but just both of these guys have a lot of potential that can be untapped. Uh, I'm so, so excited to see where these guys go. Because I know tight end's a weird position for the first round. And especially when I don't know how NFL teams are valuing these guys. I just view them so closely together because of the skill sets that both of them bring. And it's so similar. Both make ridiculous catches. Both are super athletic. And I didn't see much blocking out of either of them. I, I, I really like both of them. But if I could have just gotten like a minute and a half or two minutes of blocking, I think I'd probably have them higher on this list. I agree with you. Um, I, I'm I'm excited just this year. Uh, I'm I'm excited for this year just because of basically what you said with all the tight ends that you've talked about thus far. Um, the tight ends are a lot better than they have been in recent years, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that that also goes for is I feel like I've actually been hearing a decent amount of other people talk about how this is a lesser draft in general, just like overall the quality isn't there. And I just don't believe that ever. Um, That's just not a thing until like we actually get 10 years down the road and can look back and realize, hey, it's 2023, that 2013 class didn't look too good. But guess what? At that point in time, uh, Tavon Austin was the most exciting player, potentially, you could even argue, in college football history. So if... Like, like it, it, with that in mind, just realize we don't actually know anything, and I definitely am not going to be the one that is pushing the sentiment of this draft being bad. And once again, I'm just not also at the same time trying to congratulate these tight ends for being so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, at nine, first quarterback in the top 15. At nine, quarterback out of Ohio State, the Ohio State. CJ Stroud. Uh, really accurate. That was the first thing that popped out to me. I was not thinking that he'd be as accurate as he was. And he, I even watched a lot of Ohio State uh, this past year. Still was just shocking because I think that's one thing that a lot of people just rip on him for is that he's like not the most accurate quarterback in this class. Which, I mean, yeah, he's competing against Bryce Young. And that's bright. That's what Bryce Young does is he's super accurate. Uh, but I'm uh, very impressed with how accurate he was. Uh, he could drop it in a bucket from 50 yards out and also throw like tight ropes over the back shoulder for guys to make plays. And uh, I wrote here, and it's Ohio State, so those guys are making plays whenever given the opportunity. So I'm not going to have the... And this is such a silly thing that a bunch of people uh, say concerning Ohio State quarterbacks too, is that they just have this plethora of weapons that... Oh, you can't even evaluate them. Yeah, you can. You can evaluate ball placement and everything going on. Uh, are you really going to knock Marvin Harrison Jr. because he made a uh, super insane catch? Or knock CJ Stroud because Marvin Harrison Jr. made an insane catch? No. You're going to say, oh, he put it in a spot for him to make a catch. I mean, if it's a well-placed ball, if it's a terrible-placed one, then obviously you're not going to be uh, saying that. Uh, 
he gets his feet planted at a moment's notice and it just zips the ball in. Uh, there was a play that he had against Wisconsin this past year where he wanted a bootleg out and then bootleg to his left, flipped his hips, planted his feet, and threw it to the opposite side of the field, which just beautiful QB footwork that you don't even see in the NFL that much of a guy being able to flip his hips that quick and get the ball out. Uh, so that really nice to see that from him. Uh, and he uses his legs well, not just running, but in move, uh, maneuvering the pocket to open up windows for himself. He's He also seems hesitant to take off at times, too, uh, which I, I know that he's gotten hurt, so I don't know if it has something to do with that. But uh, just him maneuvering the pocket and uh, moving around his, uh, his linemen and the defense shaking off tackles to still fire it in there. I love that quality about quarterbacks. I mean, I... I know that you love Tony Romo just because he was so slippery when he was in there in the pocket too. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I really liked what I saw from CJ Stroud. It was a breath of fresh air from just all the negativity that, uh, at least I've been seeing concerning him. Yeah. If I could, uh, if I had to root for one team in NFL history, just like in, in a season that was not a Buffalo Bills roster. I think I may select the 2014 Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. So, the, yes. Um, but <laughs> with that being said, um, I would just say to the the, the scrambling thing, like um, I, I can't even really remember now, but somebody else was talking about this earlier with the scrambling thing that I was listening to, and he was just talking about how, yeah, that basically got thrown out the window against Georgia. So, listen – I feel like that's true because I remember watching that game live, but I didn't watch that. I didn't watch anything back from that game actually when I was watching C.J. Stroud. Ironically, because I just know that he played so well um, in that game when I watched it. I wasn't really too worried about looking back at what he did there. I was looking back at everything he did before that. Um, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I I I understand that um, point of view, but I, I do think I do think he's not he he's definitely not like if you had like any list of the top five qbs in this draft um i don't think anybody would put him in the upper half of those top five qbs in terms of just running ability Mm -hmm. so that's yeah i that makes sense to me all right uh at eight running back out of ucla zach charbonnet uh this is a guy that I, I know I made a joke to you earlier in the week about how I just want to see a running back that that his go-to move is just silly, and Zach Charbonnet is that. His stutter step that he goes to whenever he is in the open field just makes guys crumble in front of him. It was the most amazing thing to watch him just pull it out constantly. Every single time there was a defender near him, he'd stutter step and the guy would jump right by him. And then when he's not in the open field, his go-to move when he's still behind his offensive line is a nice little jump cut into the hole to just make all the edge rushers and uh, uh, those tackles and everything just fall over. It's so beautiful to see that move getting pulled out constantly from him. Uh, what, What else did I have here? He has great size, but he plays a lot smaller uh, than how he actually is. When I looked at what his height and weight were, I was surprised to see that he was six one and then like two hundred pounds. Uh, because he just doesn't look like it. He looks like he'd be a five ten, five nine, 
running back that's sitting at like 185, 190. Uh, but he's moving pretty well for a guy that size. Not not that that's like a huge size for a running back because it's not. But just for what he was doing, I was expecting him to be smaller. And he plays small too. That Not that that's a bad thing either because he finds a way to squeak into these holes. Uh, and he uh the the one of the uh, the best quality of his game though is his receiving ability uh the the plays that he's making in UCLA's offense as a receiver was insane cuz i mean i watched uh DTR for quarterbacks he didn't make it in my top 15 but uh, yeah i know but i was watching DTR i'm like wow they're just running the ball and i love watching this but then when I watch Charbonnet's film, I'm thinking the same thing. Oh, they're just running the ball. I love this. And then there's just like 10 plays in a row where he's catching wheel routes 15 yards down the field. And I'm thinking, oh, this this there's more to this guy than just uh, his stutter step, which is beautiful. Uh, that receiving ability is going to make him, I, I think, a second-round pick. Uh, cause there's going to be one team that really wants the top two guys. And when they miss out on him, I think they're or miss out on them. They're going to, uh, reach for Charbonnet, which yeah, I don't say reach is a bad thing. Cause if you want your guy, go up and get him. But I think he is so good. And just the fact that I've heard so little about him too, before doing this made me so upset because he's. I think he's legitimately the third best, like undisputed, the third best one, and uh, just no talk about him at all, which was wild to me. He's he's my he's my third best guy too. Um, the so I mean I, we're on the same page there. Um, <laughs> what's what's interesting is okay, I I really didn't get the vibe. I, I was not misled by his height at all. I have to be honest with you. The guy that I was more misled by their height in this draft was Tyje Spears. Um, I honestly I looked up Tyje Spears' height. Uh, did you didn't mention him? Did you? You didn't mention him, right? No. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. I didn't think you did. Um, but he one of the things Tyje Spears was that. I looked at the first website I saw for his height, and I was like, that's not right. And then I looked at a second site for his height, and I was like, that's not right. And it got shorter the second time, and I was still like, that's not right. And then I saw a third site, and I was like, okay, now, yeah, he's 5'9". He's like average male height in the U.S., which is how tall I am. So nothing against that. It's just, it's just I was like, no, he's just, he's just not that tall. That's the guy I had a problem with. And actually, we kind of completely saw different things about Charbonnet. Uh, Charbonnet, uh, for me, the thing I thought was incredible was the fact that he did have that jump that jump cut ability, kind of, if you're okay with me calling it that. Um, yeah. Um, that he was able to use. But I thought what was more impressive with him is he knew when to use it and when not to use it and actually attempt to run over people instead. And honestly, like I, I really had a completely different viewpoint of him and maybe it's combining both of ours to get a picture that's more accurate. But I was thinking like, this is, this is the guy you want to draft. If you literally just want to play the game, like it's the early two thousands and you just want one player on your team to carry the ball 40 times in one game and throw the ball about 10 to 15 times in that game. And uh, just rock with that. I was thinking that was more his style to be honest with you. But, um, 
then the last thing I want to note there is uh, uh, the audience. This is an important note. Our backgrounds are mostly NFL stuff. And since I came to college last year, I've gotten more into college stuff. And uh, I, I think I think you would be okay with me saying this. I'm probably a little bit more into the college stuff now than you are. Is that okay? I'm, I'm just really big into Mac football. Yeah. So. Okay. So. I, I was just wondering if you know who the head coach at UCLA is. Yeah, it's Chip Kelly. Okay, I just okay, I just I just was wondering because I was not sure. But yeah, no, I mean with a lot of the stuff you mentioned, I mean it's not surprising. Um, some of the roles and types of stuff that they got into there, I thought at least I thought that was worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Okay, so yeah, good to go to the next guy. All right, number seven, wide receiver TCU Quentin Johnston. Uh, refreshing, refreshing uh, player to see. Real palate cleanser after watching all these other receivers. I'm like, ah, what do these guys do? They're fast. They run crisp routes. Just show me a big body that's gonna go up and get the ball. And that's exactly what he is. Uh, he he tested well at the combine because I know the one big thing that's been talked about a lot with him is he ran a not good 40 time. I wish I would have wrote it down. I don't know it off the top of my head, but he ran a not good 40 time uh, at the combine. And that was the thing that everyone was knocking him on. And I was like, all right, well, let me just see what his game speed's like. His game speed's fine. I don't care what you test at the combine. He looks fast on the field. And he uses his body extremely well to get the ball and create space for himself while the ball's in the air. Uh, I did see that he was battling injury throughout the season. He didn't miss many games, but I think it was just a constantly lingering thing. Because I do remember in the uh, the Big 12 championship game, he got hurt and was out for a little bit. Uh, and then also in the playoffs, I think he got hurt and was off for a little bit too. Or out for a little bit too. So I injury bug is a concern for him i'm not going to hold that against him now especially if it's just a lingering thing that he was trying to bail through the season especially with the season tcu was having i'm not going to blame him at all for if he had a nagging ankle to say yeah no i'm going to power through it and just go until i can't in the game and yank me out when i can't go anymore uh he yeah skill set that no other receivers have uh yeah, or no. He has a skill set that none of the other receivers have that are going late first, early second. Uh, all the other receivers that I've talked about and will talk about uh, bring a little bit something else to the table uh, than he does, and that's mainly just the route running ability and their speed, which he doesn't have. Uh, but I I love him. He just uh, yeah, TCU uh, alma mater of Pro Wells. So how could I, how could I not love just another big athletic body that goes up and makes plays? Your your homework after watching this episode is to uh, Google Pro Wells, so you guys can all find out who he is. And if you somehow were watching us during our tight end rankings episode last time, oh my god, I love you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no. Um, I actually I understand where you're coming from with that, but honestly, uh, the further up the list we get, um, I feel like the less I'm going to have to say because I don't want to reveal too much about what I'm going to say. So you can keep going. Okay. Okay. Number six, running back, Alabama, 
Jameer Gibbs, electric athlete, uh, more of a receiver than Bijan. He can line up anywhere on the field. The more and more I was watching him, I was just thinking, oh, Alabama just took a wide receiver and said, yeah, we're going to have you play running back for us. Uh, and knowing that he was a Georgia Tech transfer too, it, it, it hurts my heart a little bit because I would love to see him play just in Georgia Tech system more. <laughs> but uh, I guess I'll have to not be selfish here. Uh, he runs routes like a receiver, very crisp, really good uh, in the scramble drill too. He was Bryce Young's best friend all last season. Whenever I watched an Alabama game, Jameer Gibbs was constantly open, and that's part of a product of these teams were just trying to prevent stuff so deep down the field for Bryce Young and cover up the receivers that Jameer Gibbs was open for a two-yard dump off and then took it 50 more yards. Uh, but he constantly finds himself open. Uh, lining up outside and in the slot was so much fun for him to watch because I just don't expect to see that from Alabama, to see the running back just be used all over the field like that. Uh, so that was a treat. Uh, he He's not as big and powerful as Bijan, but makes up for it as contact balance and better speed. So, I watching it, it was really, really tough for me, too, with, uh, with the two of them. Because I think they're really close, but then the more and more I thought about it, I got further... I, get, I pulled the two of them further apart with uh, just... Jameer Gibbs having the contact balance that he does and the speed, I was pulling that away just in valuing a little bit more of what Bijan had and the stuff that they had in common was also equally as important. Uh, but yeah, uh, number six, Jameer Gibbs. Um, I understand your perspective on the pass catching thing. I'm going to use a little point of reference that is not from either of us, though, to tell you that uh, the Texas football coach, I think it was their head coach, uh, I think Steve Sarkeesian said this, uh, that he he believes that Jameer, not Jameer, Bijan Robinson had the best hands on the entire team. If it wasn't, if it wasn't Steve Sarkeesian, it was somebody else on the Texas coaching staff. But, but with that being said, I feel like his routes uh, that he was allowed and told to run in the Texas offense were much more um, long developing. And then Jameer Gibbs was just always getting the ball because he was nearly, not always, but specific circumstances, they would put him on like a wheel route or something when they thought they got a good matchup on a linebacker. But specific circumstances, um, Beyond those specific circumstances, he was basically always the checkdown guy, and he was making big plays off those checkdowns and stuff too, and screen passes if I can remember one or any. Maybe, maybe it was just checkdowns, honestly. Yeah, uh, I and that's another thing too. Uh, seeing those short routes that he's running, because I saw him, I saw Jameer Gibbs run whips and uh, Texas routes and stuff, just stuff where you have to take real tight. Uh, you have to plant your foot and make tight cuts on it. Seeing him do that, I was like, oh, this route's really crisp. He's running crisp routes, too, while he's doing it. And you didn't get to see that that much with Bijan. And I'm not going to argue that his hands aren't good. He was the leading receiver for Texas for the first handful of weeks through the season. Uh, 
his hands are really good. It's just when you have him lined up out wide and you're telling him to just run a go or you're having him run a wheel, and those were really the only two routes that I saw him run consistently. Maybe sometimes he got an angle route out of the backfield or something like that. But uh, just long developing routes that you don't get to see him really flash athleticism on. And I gave Jameer Gibbs the edge in that uh, with regards to him just because I got to see it consistently more with him run routes like a slot receiver with how tight and crisp he was running them. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'll, I'll talk about him more later. Stuff pertaining to that as well. Okay. And talking about tight and crisp routes, number five wide receiver, Boston College, Zay Flowers. Uh the start stop speed that this kid has is stupid. I, uh, the team that he's, I knew this like seven guys ago that I forgot what this was and because I wanted to talk about this and I didn't write it down. There's one route that he runs where he's he's just running a go and then slows down so so quickly and gets the the safety and the corner to bite on it and run up and play him like he's running a curl and then just blows past them. So much fun to watch. I think I watched that play four or five times over and over again. It was just so good. It was so crisp. Uh his focus while the ball is in the air is insane. Uh, especially now. I I know the I know Boston College's quarterback. It's like Phil Phil uh, Jakovic. Yeah, Jakovic. Uh, he's not good. Um, and they didn't. Watch- they didn't. I just want to tell you, the people that like were doing like preseason stuff and such. Um. Last year, going into last year, meaning the 2021 season, so sorry, I mean, it's kind of hard when you're in an offseason to know what's last year and yeah. what's this season, but going into the 2021 season, they were like, he's going to be really good, he's a really good QB, and then they were like, he was injured for a little while there, and he was like, oh, he's, well, well, we still think he's good, but he was injured, and then this year it was kind of like... He, I think, I think he actually was injured a decent amount again. But I feel like just you get injured enough and you lose all the hype. And honestly, from what I saw, just because you know, I'm just guessing. I'm paying a little more attention to ACC football than you. Um, yeah. Just guessing based off that. Um, I, I would say based off what I was seeing with him, um, the Zay Flowers stuff. He, he looks like he was less he's much less than he used to be or at least at the bare minimum he is less than he was spoken about before (laughs) yeah just seeing some of the balls they was throwing him to i don't want this to be us you know breaking this guy down uh but i do think it's important to notice or to note that zay flowers was getting balls that were just floated up in the air that he probably could have just taken to the house if it was a better thrown ball or He'd run fade fades in the like in the red zone, and that ball is just hanging in the air forever. And he's he has to fight with the guy on the ground to get positioning, and then make an insane one-handed catch, uh, or really haul in the ball while being double teamed or double contested. Just stupid stuff because his quarterback was really hanging him out to dry. Uh, but besides that, uh. His rackability and shiftiness uh, in the open field, or and when he has the ball in his hands, uh, it 
wow, uh, has to be tied or close to tied uh, with his focus while the ball is in the air for his best trait. Just, just great rack guy, great focus. And lastly, they utilized him in a lot of different ways in that offense. They were giving him jet sweeps, uh, which one? Uh, never mind. Uh, when I was watching defensive guys, they were blowing that up when uh, when they were playing uh, BC. But they're giving him jet sweeps. Uh, I saw a couple plays where he was lined up in the backfield too. So I like the diversity that he's bringing to the table. He's got a he showed more than any other receiver just where he can be on the field and how he can be used, taking handoffs, taking jet sweeps, uh, running short routes, running every. He has a really great route tree. Uh, I really didn't have much complaints about him. It's just there I, there could be so much more for him, and I think he would be such a higher-rated prospect if his quarterback was just better. <laughs> if his quarterback could just get the ball out to him a little bit smoother and cleaner, I think he'd be a little bit better Yeah, and of a prospect rated. didn't go play at Boston College in 2022, yeah, I mean... Yeah. It's not. It's not the most optimal. It's not the most optimal place to be. Um, I, I was really wondering with how you were trending. If if I, I thought you were trending against him, honestly, with the other receivers you were talking about. So I I, I was not sure how you were going to go there. I, I I really didn't see that coming with how you were trending. So ready oh. for the next guy. Well, glad I could surprise you there with that. All right, number four, and I still in my mind. I still think this is too low for him, but I don't know where else to put him with the three guys that are above him. Uh, and that'd be running back Texas, Bijan Robinson. Uh, he has everything that you want in a running back. The size, the speed, the power. Uh, he's in every down back. He has the ability to shake off tackles and instantly find his burst, which had like jaw-dropping stuff to see him shake off two guys and then immediately put it into third gear and go. Uh you don't see that with a lot of guys, even receivers or any other position, where they can be engaged uh, physically with a guy, tackle, whatever, truck, and then just burst right out of it. That was great. Uh, he has the best vision out of all the running backs in the class. He doesn't hesitate to hit the hole when he sees it. Uh, there was one back. but School? I, Huh? School? Do you know the school? I know you're looking uh, for the name. Do you know the school? Uh, no, I don't know it off the top it's of my okay. head. It's okay. Just talk Dang. about him. Just but, talk uh, about him generally. The, the, there's one running back that uh, he when he'd see the hole and just I watched him like two guys after Bijan. Uh, when he'd see the hole, he would have no burst <laughs> at all, and it was so uh. Oh, uh, Kendry Miller, uh, the running back for TCU. He had, like, no burst at all for me. When, when, I, when I watched him, he was so slow. Like, he'd, he'd see the hole, and then it's, like, he had to be a piece of, like, military artillery and just be readjusted and, and have to go forward. Uh, so it really flashed to me that Bijan didn't have to do that and could just find the hole and run right through it. And then... As we talked about, real soft hands, uh, can catch out of the backfield with ease, can go deep, 
uh, make a play. I mean, he has the size to go up and get it. He, I mean, he's not a Deuce Vaughn. You're not like you. You have the option to throw it up to him uh, downfield, uh, which great element to his game that I don't even think it's talked about enough with him, just because of how fast and big he is. That a lot of people overlook his uh, route running ability and his catching ability. Uh, yeah, no, um, I agree with you. The only thing that I have to say about everything you just said is. I watched 10 running backs. I watched 10 running backs. Kendra Miller was number 10 out of 10. He's great. That was a fun watch, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Real, real <laughs> enjoyable. Okay. Next. <laughs> Next for me. Number three, quarterback, Alabama, Bryce Young. He is an athletically explosive Drew Brees. And when I say athletically explosive, I do not mean that he is Justin Fields or Kyler Murray speed, because he absolutely does not. Uh, he smartly picks his chances to take off and run, which I just wasn't expecting. I did not watch a lot of Bama uh, outside of like the competitive games they played, because they're so boring to watch. I don't need to watch Alabama beat up on Austin P. All right, I just don't need to see that, especially like you know week ten of the season. I don't want to see that. That's disgusting. Uh, but he smartly picks his chances to take off. And when he does, he has more than enough speed uh, to get down the field, get a first down, and then some. The, play, or the plays where he gets and then some are really great, too, because it just looks like a guy that is trying his hardest to not get touched by anyone. It looks like he's playing two-hand touch football, and he's just trying to worm his way around guys instead of, you know, juke them out where he could he could get touched. Uh so, I, I mean, that was fun to watch. I didn't really know that he had that much in his game. Uh, pocket presence and maneuverability in the pocket is off the charts. He can navigate a phone booth, uh, makes guys miss. He was the most fun out of all the quarterbacks to watch just maneuver the pocket before he threw the ball. Because he, ducking down, pushing off his linemen, doing everything he could do to keep the play alive while still being in the pocket, which... It's refreshing. It's refreshing to not see a guy just run right out of the pocket when uh, the going gets tough and to still stay in there, take a hit, maneuver around, try to juke a guy out. Uh, what what else do I have here? Uh, most polished QB prospect in the class. Very obvious to see what his floor is going to be, but the ceiling could be crazy. Uh, height doesn't concern me at all as long as the coaching staff isn't dumb about it. Which, if a team's going to draft him, I'd hope they wouldn't be dumb about it. But it is so exhausting to just hear teams, or just hear, not even teams, just hear talk in general about, oh, yeah, he's short. It's like, yeah, no, he's really not, but sure. I mean, in terms of NFL quarterback average, yeah, but he's not, like, five foot, he's not Deuce Vaughn height. It's not anything that I'm freaking out about. Yeah. No, uh, it, it's interesting because all all I'm thinking about right now is because I feel like I gotta I gotta hide um I gotta hide basically like what um wh- what I think about him until my rankings. But I'm I'm just now I'm just thinking about like potential uh Heisman Trophy winners for this upcoming season and feeling like since he was one, I'm thinking about Heisman Trophy winners again and like I, I, it obviously 
it's just all over the place, honestly. I mean, there's there's a bunch of guys. I, and I, this is irrelevant, but you know what? Guys to watch for next year, just throw this in the middle. Um, okay, first and foremost, be, I'm going to be a homer at some point, so I may as well get it out of the way. Jordan Travis at FSU. Uh, Jaden Daniels at LSU, I think, is really underrated. Michael Penix at Washington. Bo Nix at Oregon isn't getting enough lug, love. Uh, Caleb Williams could definitely win it again. And uh, Sam Hartman at Notre Dame. There. Yep. Moving on. All right. Uh, number two, wide receiver, Ohio State, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, to me, he's the clear-cut top receiver in the class. Every route he runs, it like I said Zay Flowers runs crisp routes. J- JSN runs way better routes than him, which is even weird for me to think about because – I love the way uh, Zay Flowers runs his routes. JSN is just so clean about it. Uh, listening to interviews just throughout the season and also going through and looking at him, just hearing uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Justin Fields and CJ Stroud say, yeah, he's the best receiver I've ever seen and have ever played with is insane for me to think about that. Uh, Two receivers that played with him that are going to be staples on their teams in the NFL, plus two quarterbacks that are going, or one that was a first round pick, one that's going to be a first round pick, and considered a franchise guy, saying that JSN is the best receiver they've ever played with is awesome. And I mean, that shot of confidence or vote of confidence that those guys are giving him has to be something that I hope he just feeds off of every single day because I, I know I wouldn't be able to live that down. If uh, or I don't know if "live that down" is the right phrase, but I'd be living off of that for for a long time. Uh, hearing, yeah, uh, I'm the best receiver that these great athletes have played with. Uh, and then last note that I got here on him: there's obviously some concerns with his injury, uh, but I mean, come on, you see what you see on the tape with him. I don't think I'd be that concerned with his injury at all, especially. Uh, him coming back and doing some drills during his pro day. He looked good in them. It doesn't look like he lost anything or lost any burst. Um, you know, I just, the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the last touchdown he scored in the Rose Bowl, um, I think he is absolutely naked 99% of the time they're targeting him. He's just wide open because he just finds a way to get that open. But that last that last throw, um, that last touchdown he scored, that is like the culmination of C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba at the same time. And uh, that's, that's very, that's basically the play that I'm probably going to think back to. Just like when I think about like Justin Fields coming out, I don't even know who he was throwing to, but he threw that post route in, either a bowl game or in the college football playoff that was like a 70-yard deep shot down the field. And it was just oh, absolutely yeah. incredible. It was an incredible ball. And it's like, that's that's what I'm going to come back to. And at the same time, it's for two players, which makes it even more interesting, and two guys that were near the top of your list. Um, I have to say I'm not surprised with where I think you're going to go with number one because I... I think this is the only guy that you and I probably cheated about before doing this. We didn't really hint to each other um, 
our thoughts on anybody else except for probably this player. Um, and with that being said, please talk about Peter Skaronsky. <laughs> Gladly. Uh, I hate his short arms. No. Uh, Anthony Richardson, uh, quarterback out of Florida. I mean, dude, just so much to love about him as a prospect. Uh, which I think it's really funny coming from you two. And I was thinking about this as I'm watching him. And I, I mean, he has more juice than, I mean, if you watch Josh Allen's tape, uh, he has more juice than what Josh Allen had in college, obviously. Uh, but it's you and just the NFL, uh, how they evaluate prospects in general is moving away from this. Like, Oh, he's so raw. He's so raw. He can't, if he threw the ball, all four plays, he wouldn't even get a first down. <laughs> Uh, kind of uh, evaluation technique to just he has all of the physical tools that you want a quarterback to have now you need to bet on yourself and your organization to develop him uh, and there's one team that extended their quarter or did they extend him did did the Giants extend Daniel Jones yes or did they they did well they're dumb for that yeah because I if I, I want Dable had him. Anthony Richard. Yeah, I want Dable to have him. <laughs> but uh you know that might not be a possibility. I just don't want him to be ruined by some terrible coaching staff. I, I completely agree with you. Um no, uh I don't want to talk about him too much yet, but I, I, I absolutely agree with that point. Um the the thing that I would like to say about the Josh Allen point that you're making is uh it's very different once you get to see a player in person and um you know the fun thing that peter king's been saying is peter king's been talking about how he went nine for 27 in his last game of college which he didn't play in the bowl game because by the way i was in vegas the day that they went to their las vegas bowl uh uf and got absolutely stomped by oregon state it was absolutely wonderful to see that up on the tv as an fsu fan um but but with that being said um (laughs) the the thing about the nine for 27 in the final game at fsu that i was at i can promise you that every single person in the building knew who the best player for the university of florida was on that day and it wasn't even close it was not even a question and the only guy that was going to give them a chance to win that game was the one wearing 15 on the offensive side of the football so i that's what I'll say for now, and I'm going to talk about it more later. But also, I mean, it, it, and this this also happens with other guys, too, that like I see in person. And two specifically that I think I can mention now, um, that I can mention now just because of the fact that they're not going to make either of my lists. So um, Marvin Mims, the wide receiver from Oklahoma, is fa- way too far down the draft board from where he should be because of just, I don't know, the team he was on this year, which was a, basically a rebuilding team in terms of college. The same thing with B.J. Ojolari from LSU. Uh, he's an edge player. But um, it, it's just, you know, two guys that I got to see in person this year watching them at games I went to, and it's like, yeah, no, that, that guy's ranked too low. Like, he should go higher. Um, mm-hmm. But with that being said, now, now you'll be able to uh, – now I think – 
as long as you're all set, we can get into mine. But also, I want to say one more thing before we finish up on yours, before we, like, you know, get the comparison going. Um, mm-hmm. I'm offended by the fact that you did not put even one offensive lineman in in the list. It, they, they were all in my honorable mentions, too. Uh, I just didn't get to them. I did my top three. But oh uh, god! My... Wow! Wow! Okay, I was thinking. I was thinking. I was thinking. Uh, Jake's gonna be mad at me. I got my honorable mentions, and I'm gonna have like two or three guys as honorable mentions. I'm like, oh, he's gonna be mad at me. You got a list of like thirty guys in your honorable mentions. No, today. no, I, I had five. I just didn't include uh, Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones, who uh, yeah. both just mean guys. Uh, Paris Johnson more so than Broderick Jones. Uh, Paris Johnson looks like he's he plays the position angry and just wants to kill someone uh, uh, every time, every snap. I, I do love it. I had trouble situating uh, one of them or either of them on the list just because I also didn't feel like I did a great job uh, evaluating them either. Uh, so that's on me. But Paris Johnson, mean streak, wants to kill someone. Broderick Jones, same thing. Uh Way more chill about it, though. Way more technical in his blocking and the way he uses his hands and gets positioning. Uh, so I, I was a big fan of that, uh, that he wasn't just trying to go out there and murder people. But at the same time, he was just crushing SEC competition, too. So you know he's good. Okay. Um, well, listen, I know I, I've told you many a times, if there is one thing I should not do, it's... Um, you know, talk about offensive line play because I know nothing about it. But, you know, you like talking about it sometimes and you just completely disregarded all of it. So, you know, even though I already made this list before we even talked about our lists, um, you know, I have to take advantage of that and, you know, start talking about a lot of offensive linemen here. I will say, though, once I get to these offensive linemen, I will be relying a little bit more on my notes. I'm generally just a person that likes to speak without worrying about my notes too much. But with linemen, it's a little bit harder for me. So I'm going to try to get it right well, with everything I say. So, you know, that's... The, the thing with me, too, about this line class, I don't think it's that good uh, compared to what we saw two years ago. Uh, with Panay Sewell, Tevin Jenkins, uh, the guy from Northwestern. Uh, the, the Chargers. Uh, yeah. Stan, 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 Ronnie? No, that's the Raven. I, man, uh, but, it's okay. Know, but, we know who he is. Who, I know what he looks like, but, even. I don't know yeah. what every NFL player looks like, but I actually know what he looks like. I just can't remember his name. I can see him walking onto the stage for the draft right now in my head. I see him perfectly. I just don't know his name. Uh, yeah, it's okay. He's a really good player. He got paid a lot. Yeah. Didn't he get paid a lot of money? Yeah. No, he didn't. Yeah, because he's only two. Years no, not yet. He's got. He's, he's gonna, gonna get paid, paid a lot of money. money. It doesn't matter. But that that tackle class and also just the interior too, really good class. Watching these guys, I just wasn't blown away. And even then, I had to check to make sure I wasn't insane. And compared to my notes from two years ago, I was like, yeah, no, okay. I just don't think that these guys are as good as the class from two years ago. So okay, I mean, like I said, it's definitely difficult to do positional value. But frankly, when I was doing my list, I was just trying to go completely independent of positional value. I was trying to pure go based off of how, how good I thought guys were so I'm gonna get started I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to go through at a pretty good clip um I may even do like a little bit of lumping together um okay so I've only got two honorable mentions Steve Avila the right guard from TCU I thought okay. he was pretty good 
Um, and then John Michael Schmitz, the center from Minnesota. He also, I thought he was just really consistent. The The thing I liked with him was consistency. And I think the thing I liked with Avila was his base, which is very mm-hmm. simple. But like I said, oh yeah, my, my, you know, my stuff is not very complicated when it comes to offensive <laughs> line. So, um, okay, here we go. Now this is, this is going to be fun because now you can immediately react to everything I say. Um, but I guess I am kind of being a bigger jerk because you said you had five honorable mentions. I could sort of have three instead of two because of what I'm about to do here. I didn't do any ties past 15, but I did do a tie for 15 because I was like, if I leave either of these guys off my list, it's going to feel very dirty. So I can't do that. But um, tied at number 15 is Jackson Smith and Jigba and Dalton Kincaid. Um Obviously, we talked about how Smith in Jigba gets wide open and the Rose Bowl is just immaculate. I am terrified of injuries, though, because most guys, frankly, are not Frank Gore. Most guys are not the guys who just get absolutely wrecked in college and, um, you know, comes to the NFL and then continues to dominate. But with that being said, there will be that one guy, and that'll be the guy that gets remembered because whoever it is, Jackson Smith and Jigba, most likely, or. Cedric Tillman or uh, Kayshawn Booty from LSU, the mm-hmm. the guy that actually comes out and and does well from the injury will be the guy that gets remembered. So I mean that's just why he's down there. I'm an no, injury I, that has that, that much time to it is is terrifying. Um, then you talked about then you talked about uh, how you liked the blocking. I have to say uh, blocking wise, you're you're right. Almost all three of them. Um, all three of the tight ends that are near the top that we already discussed somewhat. I really uh, I don't have a strong opinion on blocking the because I didn't see a lot of it. The only thing I can say is that for Darnell Washington, I definitely saw at least one pancake block where he just full-on used his body weight to his advantage. So that's kind of like helping to get the edge. And then just secondly is... Mayer looks just bulkier than Kincaid. Kincaid also played in the Pac-12, which I know people are going to hate that we're talking about conferences and opponents uh, at some level because, you know, I don't think people generally love comparing skill level because, you know, everything that's Division One is the same exact thing. I mean, even if it's FCS, it's the exact same thing, right? Jackson State would have beat Alabama last year. Or Georgia, sorry, yeah. sorry excuse me. Um, but with that being said, um, he's just he just really I, I I've got my notes here, like I said, but I'm just gonna run with what I'm thinking. Um, he's really giving more like a Mike Gesicki vibe, and he could be better. I think he's actually probably more likely to be better than Mike Gesicki, but the the fact of just the the size alone, and I talked to you about this with the receivers before actually discussing individuals off camera. It, it it's interesting, and I don't know if I love the idea of everybody getting smaller, if we can stay, we can have real weapons in guys that are able to be the heavier weights but not lose the speed value. And I think Kincaid, even though, he, granted, this is what what I'm also feeling this whole time I'm going to be talking, is I'm going to be compelled to defend myself for lowering guys even though i'm still saying they're a top 15 player on their side of the ball in the draft it's like you're not bad it's just 
I like I like the other guys more because because mm-hmm. just because of that weight imbalance and and that's basically it is I I I feel like probably the the blocking that they would have had to do at Notre Dame and at Georgia is superior to the blocking that he would have had to do at Utah. Granted, I also said this: if there's one Pac-12 team that I would want you to be on uh, for me to think that you're going to be decent at blocking, it's probably Utah. But yeah. It, it it's still it's still like it's still like just that weight difference is big enough to separate them and it, it's really not by much. He's a very good player and he's an athletic freak and he goes up and catches the ball. But I mean, and then there's things that are also coming to my argument. I mean, there's literally plays where he's catching the ball on a rocket screen because he's literally basically more of a receiver than he is a tight end. So yeah, it, it's getting that balance and. um just because I said so much, just for those two players, I'll let you pick up on that. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I I love what Dalton Kincaid brings. Uh, he, uh, the Mike Kosicki comparison is really good too. Just, I Mike Kosicki is. I don't want to say he's create his body type has the potential to create a new position of just a huge slot receiver. Like he doesn't yes. it, with Miami. He wasn't playing tight end. He was playing slot receiver, and that's a role that Dalton Kincaid could definitely fill for a team where it's well, we we already have a guy that's five foot nine and can run a really fast slant. How about we just get a big body in there to rotate in in, in and out with him? That's what you get with Dalton Kincaid and Mike Isicki, and. Like we've talked about, I would like to see the league get a little bit bigger because it is just shrinking. Yeah, no, it's it it it's something. The, the size thing is really perplexing to me because I, I frankly I, I feel like the size made the most sense in like the and and there's one player, maybe two, that I'm going to talk about later that I can sort of get after that. But for for most other guys, it's like no, this isn't how it should be for most players, and and it seems like the lead the league is moving more towards it being this way for most players instead of looking for the individual cases where it makes the most sense. I think there's two guys for my offensive rankings that I'll talk about, and one guy for my defensive rankings where I'm like, we can go against the grain there, we can have them weigh less than the normal guys, but they are outliers, and it should not be that way normally. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, next, uh, at the number 14 spot for me, and actually, let's see, how many guys do I want to do at a time here? Let's go 14 through 11 all at once really quick. Okay. okay. So um, 14 for me is Peter Skronsky, the left tackle from Northwestern. Uh, his, like I said, i got to focus on my notes for, for the guys that are offensive linemen. His feet seem to settle in really well and stay under him. He moves well in the run game. He doesn't seem to have overwhelming power from my perspective. Does well against edge rushers we see more nowadays with speed and finesse. Something just looks a little funny about <laughs> about watching how he gets twisted up with guys rushing against him. So it's it's really interesting with him is I don't have like a real knock for him um other than the fact that it just looks a little awkward and it looking awkward can make things scary. Sometimes that can work. Sometimes it can turn you into uh Tim Tebow. Um <laughs> you know, it's something to think about. And then the other thing here is just that 
he was a left tackle, but frankly, I've been seeing a lot of people talking about him playing guard. Then next, Darnell Washington is 13 for me. Darnell's really simple to talk about because I basically already hit on all the important points with him. He's six foot seven. He's also got the weight still that the other tight ends don't really seem to have. Um, he's above them, and also his his jumping ability is actually just insane. I mean, there's a few times for Georgia where it's like Dalton Kincaid and Michael Mayer both have times where they go up and get the ball, but they do not go up to the peak point that Darnell Washington gets up to, and that's really impressive for me, and I, I like that size, which gives him the bump. Um, 12 for me, i got to make sure it's number 12. 12 for me is Will Levis, the Kentucky QB. Um I think his eye manipulation's great. He's great through his reads. Um, uh, the funny thing is, for most guys, if I ever put generic blank archetype um, or generic Madden archetype of something, uh, it's usually a bad thing. But for Will Levis, I'm just saying that he's like the most generic balanced QB archetype ever. And, and it's like, I, I'm fine with that, but it's also like, I don't really know why you would want him because it's kind of just like, I, I don't know. I feel like first round guys, you have to be like, I'm drafting this guy because I want a superstar. And it's like, okay, yes, but it's also like, what's your definition of superstar? Because I'm going to use the same team here. Okay. Micah Parsons is now a superstar for the Cowboys. Dak Prescott's also a superstar for the Cowboys. But Dak Prescott is like where I see Will Levis's potential maxing out at in the NFL. And it's like, do I really do is that really a superstar? Dak Prescott was a late round pick. Like, I'm not I it, he's a good player, but it's like it it's it's tough and, and it's really just that I don't see his ability to grow too much. The other guys have traits that just make them a lot more interesting prospects. Um, then last guy in this large grouping that I'm doing, Josh Downs, the receiver from North Carolina. Um, he high points the football and dives for receptions. He doesn't play like he's 5'9", even though he's 5'9". Um <laughs> uh, He seems fairly similar to Flowers, honestly, but he isn't as fast like the speed is not equivalent or really the stop start ability but boy he he must have played a ton of basketball when he was younger because and he must have played with kids that were like actual basketball players because at 59 he's climbing the ladder on just a ridiculous amount of plays that he has to go up and sh- not only that but not only does he jump to make a play on the ball with tremendous leaping ability, but he also acts like Randy Moss in how well he's able to shield off defenders. One of the things that was really confusing about um, Moss that I don't think ever really gets articulated well is just the idea that the thing that people talk about most of the time with him is that he would jump up over people and make catches. The thing that was really made him crazy is it was like, we'll both run 60 yards down the field, and I'm just going to box you out so you don't even have a chance to make a play on the football, and then I'll I'll adjust back to the football just in time so I can make a play on the ball and you can't. And that's an ability Josh Downs has that I didn't see any other receiver in the draft really making to the same level. So he's a little bit similar to Zay Flowers, but it's not... He he has a little bit of a similar game, but I mean that's really a big difference. And then as well as that little bit of speed drop off too. 
So that's yeah. Uh, All right. So Peter Skaronsky was first there, right? Peter Skaronsky. Then we got then we got Darnell Washington, Will Levis, and Josh Downs. Okay, uh, Peter Skaronsky. I do agree with you. He looks awkward at times, and I think that's because of how short his arms are. I did a measurement. My arms are longer than his arms, uh, which is just weird to think about, uh, especially because he's playing left tackle in college. Uh, but I think it's because his arms are so short and he's better suited at guard. Like I, I've also been seeing that and watching his film and seeing him be so awkward uh, at times. I'm like, yeah, kicking him inside and getting him that like some a little help there. Uh, and also just straight up blocking instead of having to worry about someone run straight past him uh, is going to help. Uh, Darnell Washington, I've already talked about him. I really like what he brings. Uh, he does have that athleticism. Uh, then Will Levis. Hold on. I want to read you what I wrote for Will Levis. Uh, nothing really pops off the film for me. Has the worst fake handoffs and pump fakes out of anyone in the draft that I've watched so far. Uh, no one is going to bite on it in the NFL. Uh, he makes the routine plays look routine, which is something you can't say about every quarterback prospect, so that he's got that going for him. Uh, watched personal life stuff from him, and he seems like a total weirdo, and not in the good way. He eats bananas with the peel on and puts mayonnaise in his coffee. So, I don't want that as my franchise quarterback. You know, those things are weird. I don't think there are any reason to either draft a guy or not draft a guy. But I'm really glad I said what I said about him then with the, the eye manipulation thing um, because of the fact that you said the pump fakes were so bad. The pump fakes may have been bad, but honestly, he 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 was just... That was the one thing that I actually thought he excelled at. That was the only thing I really thought he excelled at is being able to being able to not only not stare down a receiver but fully basically have his eyes always looking somewhere different than where he was eventually going to go with the football. Yeah, the the pump fakes were one thing. The main thing that I was really hung up on were his play-action handoffs. Are They're, they're atrocious. They, they, no one is believing that he is handing the ball off on him. Uh, uh, Cam Newton won an MVP in the NFL. Did you see how bad his play action was? Now, granted, I don't want to make this a conversation. <laughs> this is going to be the next Cam Newton? Is yeah. that what you're saying right now? No, the other guy at the top of the board is going to be. But the <laughs> the, the the thing there is just like, no, it's, it's not it's not all um, it's not all like uh, it's not that big of a deal that your play action is bad as a QB. But like, yeah, you're you're right. You should get it down. I, I'm just saying that's really not going to be the thing that prevents you from getting to an elite level. I think it's other stuff, and um, yeah. But I definitely think him. Like, come on, yeah, you're, you're right. It, he should just get that down. It's just, it's just not anything that concerns me. Yeah, and Josh Downs was the last guy. Yes, number eleven. All right. Uh what did I have down for him? Uh, uses his explosiveness in a unique way. Uh, sells his routes and makes his man gets lo- get lost. Has great jumping ability. Makes Drake May look so much better than he really is with some of the catches he hauls in routinely. Uh, there were some balls that Drake May was throwing him that I don't think any other receiver could have caught if it wasn't Josh Towns. Uh, just laying his whole body out 
and springing away from the defender to catch a ball right on the sideline that Drake may just loft it out there. Uh, yeah, definitely made, made Drake may look better than uh, his numbers were. Cause I know one clip that I saw was like, yeah, Drake may has not thrown an incompletion all, all game today. And then he just threw the worst pass I've ever seen at Josh downs and it's completed. And the announcers just without any, awe in their voice about what josh downs just didn't go and he's so perfect it's like no it, he's not that was such a bad ball that he threw no that's funny i mean I'm, I'm just wondering how how far out was was he even close to coming inside your top 15 uh what do you like just generally thinking about it don't actually like look into it just just what do you think uh, right off the top of my head, I think he was the one receiver on the outside. Yeah, uh, all right, I just looked at it. Uh, he was right behind Jalen Hyatt. He was the one receiver on the outside looking in. Okay, uh, and I think the another thing I'm going to say after this um, for continuing down the board uh, is talking about guys, uh, the positions, the positions I've covered and whether or not they're the highest rated guy at their position. So okay. um, I haven't. I haven't hit on for for 15 through 11 I haven't hit on a guy that I actually would say is um the highest rated at his position but for my honorable mentions the TCU right guard would be my highest rated right guard and the Minnesota center would be my highest rated center. Okay. okay. Now it's time to do 10 and 9 at the same time because boy oh boy this is where I get to start having to explain myself. Okay. So at number 10, I have Bijan Robinson. At number 9, I have Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs is my highest rated running back. Yeah. The thing the thing that's hard to talk about with Bijan Robinson is the fact that he will be a very, very good NFL player. But people are talking about him like he is either Saquon coming out of the draft or he is Adrian Peterson coming out of the draft. He is neither. He is very good at every single thing he does. He's very good at every single thing he does. The problem is that I don't see him having nearly as... And he didn't really show it a ton at Texas as much as I would think a guy that's being talked about to his level would. He's not nearly as explosive as like the hive mind would suggest he is. He, he does not just create endless amounts of huge play highlights. He no, has very that. he has very consistent running ability. And honestly, um, I was talking to you earlier about what I was hearing about guys the Bills are interested in. Um, even though I am like saying he is not as good as people think he is, if the Bills selected him without trading up at all, tremendous pick, actually. Tremendous pick. Because, granted, I'm also thinking these teams are intelligent, so they're not going to take the receivers that I like more than him, which, frankly, isn't very many. Um, but, with that being said, I think Jameer Gibbs is a little bit better. And I think Jameer Gibbs is a little bit better just because of the fact that just the small element of... He is equally, he is equally able to break tackles, in my opinion, to Bijan Robinson... Bijan is more likely to be able to out-physical a guy, while Jameer is more likely to be able to make a guy miss with elusiveness. The thing is, there, 
that's important is that I think the elusiveness factor for Jameer is going to mean that it has guys missing him completely and not slowing his forward momentum, while I think Bijan is going to have a lot more plays where his momentum is slowed, and that's enough to slow down the explosive plays. And if you've seen like the long carries for like Ezekiel Elliott over the years, the, the longs aren't necessarily that impressive. Like I think last season his long was a little bit over 30 yards, and I think Bijan could be a very similar player to that style, especially early in his career. But I don't think the explosion's going to be there. And obviously, you said it, actually, right from the jump with Jameer. Jameer has a tremendous amount of speed. And I literally said that the, his speed is receiver speed. It's, it's not tailback speed. Like, and it's just, it's just on another level. So that explosiveness is what's going to get Jameer ahead of Bichon for me. And I'm, I'm very sorry to everybody that is offended by me putting him as the 10th best offensive player in the draft just because I literally, he's not even, I think that my favorite part of this is that he is not even, he is not even just one spot behind his, his other running back in terms of rankings at running back. He is one spot behind him in terms of, the entirety of all offensive players. It's just, he's one spot behind. So don't, don't get too mad, but that's why I think for me, my team, I would prefer Jameer Gibbs at the running back position. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't hate on you for, for thinking that way. I, I mean, what, how did I have it separated on my list? Cause, uh, it was Jameer and then Zay Flowers and then Bijan. And I think it's just because I... Looking back... Or not looking back on it, like what I thought was... And this is still... I, I, I thought it was stupid when I thought it now. Coming out of my mouth, it's going to sound stupid too. I think there's a little bit more longevity in being physical than there is in speed. Because speed is gone sooner than it is before you can just stop running physically though it depends on you know how much of a toll that physical running takes on you and that's why i think Bijan can be good for longer and i think that's why i also gave him the edge there too but i'm not gonna hate on you for like just marveling at the speed that jameer gibbs has and says yeah no this slightly edges him ahead because he moves like a receiver well i i mean it, it it's it's really not just that. I think he's more elusive. I do think he's more elusive than him, too. Oh, yeah. And and like I said, for anybody that just wants to go crazy about Bijan in this draft, I would really like you to go watch Saquon's highlights in his final years of college and then compare them against Bijan because that's how people are talking right now, and it's not even close. It is that's... not even close. That's the other thing that I wanted to talk about, and I forgot. Uh, if Bijan's taken in the top 10, that's putting him in the category of running backs like Zeke, like Christian McCaffrey, like Saquon. I don't think he's like... If you watch what he has done in college and compare that to those three guys, it's not on the same level of this guy needs to be taken this high. Uh, I don't think he will in the end either way. I mean, unless Philly wants to pick him up right at 10. But, 
it, he's he's a good running back. He's really good. It's just he is not Saquon Adrian Peterson level of just pure dominance uh, on the football field, and I I agree with you in that. Yeah. Okay. So now, um, yeah. So Jameer Gibbs is my top rated running back. Like I said, now I think I'll do a little group of three guys to get us to the top five. Okay. So number eight, I think you're definitely going to like this one. Uh, Zay flowers is my top rated receiver in the draft. Um, before I watched him, I was just like, just like, oh my god, this is a Boston College receiver that weighs absolutely nothing and is five foot ten. I'm like, I, I'm like fully, I am like fully prepared to produce my bias for this and just be like, this guy sucks. And then I watched him and I'm like, no, no, you you can't. That's like, it's like the exact opposite. And it's actually really funny because it's like, it's like nothing like, nothing like, um, actually ranking players like allows me to identify my biases, but then also like equally get over them as fast. Cause it's like a lot of other things I'm sure my biases come through and then like I can't get over them. But like ranking players, I don't think it works because like I said, he could have had the most going against him and I was immediately just like, oh my God, never mind. This guy's great. And I also I'm also kinda ticked because I haven't really been following like the draft stuff a ton. But before I had ranked him like this high, before I had been, I, I basically started checking out the media on what other people were thinking about the draft more recently. And I see that he's climbing up the draft board, and I'm like, that's kind of annoying because we've done like all this work in like I don't know the past five to seven days or whatever. And I was like, I immediately, as soon as I saw him, I'm like, yeah, he's he's up there, he's up there, he's like really special in my opinion, and I would really want him on my team, frankly. But um. The the other thing with him is is he is he's basically he's basically Tyreek Hill just not as fast. And when I saw the fact that Mahomes asked him to come work out with him, I was like, oh god! Yeah. I was like, yep. no, no, no! Like, no. Uh, you're a Kansas City fan, yeah. Have, have a blast. You got you got him back. You had one year without him. You won a Super Bowl, and now you're gonna get him right back again. It's it's kind of unfair, <laughs> but um. And then the other thing is just I, I you know, that one hundred and seventy something odd pounds is is like it, it's gross to look at at first and then you realize you watch him play and he's like, Yeah, I'm I'm sure he's zero percent body fat. So it's like yeah. so it's like, wow, it's not even a concern. Because it's literally it's not like he's lacking muscle or anything. He's his weight and his size, he he is as talented of a player at his weight and size as you could at all guess and i mean basically what you said is accurate and by the way i think one of the funny things with how poorly phil jakovic was throwing the ball on some of those plays was just the fact that he would um he would beat the guy by by a country mile and then he would have to and he would easily score if it was thrown to him like wide open and then phil jakovic would underthrow it so bad that he would have to come back to the ball behind two defenders that were trying to run to catch up to him and then he would make the two defenders miss to still score that that's that's a pretty entertaining thing to be able to watch and oh then, yeah and now that i just fawned over him the guys i really shouldn't try to talk through very quickly but i'm gonna uh, <laughs> because i just feel like i should be speeding this up um my number seven rated player is Bryce Young, QB Alabama, 
And my number six rated player is C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State. Um, I think C.J. Stroud's accuracy is exceptional. I obviously think, based off what everybody is telling me, that it seems that Bryce Young's football acumen may be higher. But frankly, they're so similar, in my opinion, that there is absolutely no way that I am not going to select the guy that has the size over the other one because that's going to make him less likely to get injured. And I could make an argument about one of them actually playing better, but I really don't think it's a strong argument either way. And that's literally why I'm going to pick the bigger guy. And it's as simple as that. No, I I respect that. I respect that. Me looking at it, I just... Bruce Young was just doing different things that I think I... And this is going to sound so, like, uh, wishy-washy, too. But I, what I saw Bryce Young do, I just feel like I valued that a little bit more than what I saw C.J. Stroud do. Not that what C.J. Stroud was doing wasn't amazing. I mean, every time the dude was on the football field, it was amazing. He was making great plays. Uh, just seems like Bryce Young uh, played a little bit more mistake-free football. And, I mean, I don't know how well that's going to translate to the NFL because I mean he's playing in the SEC again not to talk about conferences but that's as close as to NFL football you can get and uh, he's playing mistake free football there I think that transfers over a little bit better to the NFL and I mean I CJ Stroud plays low and loose and I love watching that too I mean seeing quarterbacks just go back there drop back and sling it there's nothing better than that but uh Franchise quarterback standpoint, I want the guy that throws uh, a little bit safer. Yeah, the I really liked. I have to say, and this, I don't know what this was, but it did seem like C.J. Stroud had more opportunities to try to fit the ball into tighter windows, and he did that when he had the opportunity, which was nice. But here's like a real here's like a real question, I guess. Um, but I, I am gonna preface it actually with one more thing, which is just. Uh, the thing, the one thing that's hard is like uh, automatically with height. The the I'm really not valuing the height more. Um, I'm really not valuing the height as much as it probably seems I am. I'm valuing the fact that you can disperse weight better the taller you are. So if C.J. Stroud is taller, he can be heavier and less susceptible to injury. The injury is the biggest concern by far. Um. With Bryce Young, seeing how it's went with Kyler Murray and Tua in recent years, that's really my big concern with them. Now, you want to talk about comparison of how they play? I'm not saying that either of these players are at these levels, but you would say, I need you to agree with this first. If you don't agree with this first, then maybe it's a false point. But Patrick Mahomes is better than Joe Burrow right now, yes? Yes. Okay. How many inches taller would Joe Burrow have to be than Patrick Mahomes before you said Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes if they have the exact same skill sets they have right now? Because I think that's the question we're all asking. Yeah, that's so that that's such a weird way to think about it. <laughs> it's like I don't, I don't know. They're not. They're not. At, they're not at the level of those guys. But it's like. They're also like kind of comparable in their own level at those levels, so it's like mm-hmm. it's tough. It's very tough. 
And yeah, mm-hmm. so that's that's the quarterback stuff. But don't worry. Those guys are not the highest rated quarterbacks, but Zay Flowers is the highest rated receiver in that group. Now, all of the guys, all of the guys that I mentioned will mention in this top five will be the highest rated at their position. We have a left tackle, a right tackle, a tight end, a fullback, and a quarterback. In case you have a fullback at two. Hey, I didn't give you an order, but yes, I do. <laughs> because I told you. I do not care about positional value at all. So let's go. First, Paris Johnson Jr., left tackle, Ohio State. we got to get to his notes. Ohio State, love that he cleans up others when he doesn't have his own guy in pass protection. Skaronsky was good moving horizontally, but I think I like this guy's movement horizontally as well. His technique looks really good. By comparison, like I said, Skaronsky looked a little funny. I understand why people would give the kind give the kind or the nod to Skaronsky, I think I meant to write, because he, he is more raw, but I don't think it is worth it. I definitely I definitely um, think that the breakdowns on him are better than the ones I found on Skaronsky. And I did, you know, actually, for most of the guys, I just went off my own opinion, but for linemen, I looked at a little bit of what other people had to say with the actual film, too. I don't just want to read their <laughs> words because, frankly, sometimes I read people's words and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense with what I saw. Um, but he's my highest rated left tackle. Then we have my highest rated right tackle in Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Everyone's favorite method of O-line play, get the opponent on the ground and then lay on him for the rest of the and then lay on him for the rest of the play. That's actually an amazing tactic. If you can do that, I mean, you should literally do that every play if you can do it. But honestly, um, it's like it's very hard with him because I think I think everybody in the Tennessee offense is actually hurting because they're like, oh my god, the scheme is so good. None of these players are actually talented. The scheme's just so good. Yes, the scheme the scheme's great, but like, dude, they're. You have to have good play. Like if I was running the scheme with a bunch of twelve-year-olds, they're not gonna they're not gonna put up as many points as they did against Alabama, and. Just so you know, this guy was going up against Will Anderson Jr. for a decent bit of that game, uh, Tennessee against Alabama. And by the way, a lot of the other guys I was impressed with that are coming off the edge um, are coming out of the SEC as well. And he didn't allow a single sack this year. And it's just like that number alone is, is shocking to me. Now, the thing I'm seeing as the knock for Darnell Wright is the fact that he can't play at left tackle but it's like why what world are we living in where it's like could you imagine could you imagine me like me like coming up to you and saying like yeah jackson smith and jigba can run really great routes and let's say the injury concerns are gone let's say he's just been tremendous it's like yeah but can he play running back at the next level it's like just just look at the position he's going to play. He's gonna play right tackle. I really like him. I don't know. Maybe I could be completely wrong. And like I said, my O line takes are definitely not the thing that I would say are highly valued. But from the evidence I could gather on him, I really liked where it was looking. He's my fourth ranked player and my highest rated right tackle. 
Um, Michael Mayer, Notre Dame, tight end. He's my third ranked player on the offensive side of the ball. His abilities, his ability to beat defensive backs in man-to-man coverage is incredible. And then once again, with the Dalton Kincaid comparison, those two are really looking at like the similar window for me, but he's got the size and I don't think he loses much in the athleticism department to get a little more size on his body. Um, it just, I feel like the space, if we were, we talk about Jackson Smith and Jigba about how much space he was able to create and separate. Um, Darnell Wright, not Darnell Wright, I'm sorry. Um, I, I wasn't expecting to have two Darnells in my top 15. Darnell Washington and Dalton Kincaid both create space at certain points, but they don't create space to the level that Michael Mayer does. And, if we actually were like sitting here and being like, okay, what makes the best player? We know Justin Jefferson. That's something I discounted too much when we were talking about him is just at some point, that's a great receiver. And if you just create enough space, you don't ever have to catch a contested ball at all. And that's not to say Michael Mayer can't, but if you're wide open, 99% of the time because you create so much space. I don't think it's something to be overlooked. And I really think he does that at the tight end position a little bit more than Dalton Kincaid and uh, Darnell Washington do. And he still doesn't seem to give up the other traits. I think he's going to be a really good player. And like I said, with the few other guys I mentioned earlier, uh, he's, he's definitely getting uh, the bump of, Oh, I watched you play in person once. And Oh my God, you're a freak. Um, Yes. And then, just to make everybody mad, because I'm completely pushing the positional thing narrative, uh, Hunter Lipke out of North Dakota State University, the fullback, is is about as perfect of a fullback prospect as you could ever ask for. And I watched, and just, just to be clear, I wasn't just going back and checking this guy out. I really like it when I actually have stuff to talk about with these guys, and I actually watched a full game that they were playing in. I watched North Dakota State play against Arizona this year and this guy if North Dakota State would have been able to pull the game out dude it would have almost nearly all been because of him because they were giving him the ball like letting him play running back but I promise you with how he plays at North Dakota State University he could he could legitimately be used in roles as a tight end sometimes as an up back or an H back or as a fullback or as a running back in certain situations and you would not, for the role being what you would expect out of a fullback like that, that type of deal, he will be perfect for it. Now, the problem is he's a fullback, so he's not going to get drafted until the fifth or the sixth round. But legitimately, at his position, you probably can't get a better prospect. And that's my honest opinion of him. And I'm I'm slightly just being a dirtbag, putting him at two because <laughs> no one should ever do that. But he, I, I honestly, he's one of the very few prospects that... I, I legitimately don't know what my complaint would be with him. The other guys, I can point to other things. I don't know what I would say about him is a bad thing. And if, like, like my, my like, dream scenario, I, I really should stop talking about him because I'm taking up way too much time talking about him. But one last thing. My dream scenario is that we go uh, 31 personnel when he gets drafted to the uh, 49ers, and we have the full house backfield with Hughes Check and him, uh, 
uh, each taking the uh, up-back fullback spots. And then McCaffrey's in the backfield, Kittle's at tight end, and uh, Debo's the one receiver on the field. And that's the perfect formation. That's what the Niners run all season. And then finally, we have Anthony Richardson, who is only 20 years old. And that's a very important thing because you have to realize that that means that once he has five years of NFL experience, he will be the same age as Stetson Bennett. And um, what's what's his face now? Oh my God! Now I'm talking. Hendon Hooker and Hendon Hooker. Yes, thank you. I'm sorry. I'm talking way too much, so I got to get it all out. Um, uh, scouts are morons for not taking this man first overall. He he's literally like he could not have. He's literally like there is nothing physically that this guy. If you draft him, there is nothing that you would physically look at him and say, "Oh, he he probably won't win that like competition." Like, like he doesn't have a chance a chance in that competition. Like, whether it would be weightlifting or like speed competitions or anything, there is nothing that you could count this guy out of winning. And I think that's a very important thing. This is also a really fun thing. Cam Newton won a Heisman Trophy, correct? Yes. Okay. Did you know that in his age 20 season, he was playing at junior college, and this guy is basically the easiest Cam Newton comparison ever, and also, um, you know, is, is coming out earlier than Cam... Like, like that, that was the other thing I was thinking about when I was talking about the Heisman hopefuls next season. Is, is there any chance this guy wouldn't be, like, either 1 or 1A one for Heisman Trophy favorites next season if he stayed at Florida? Like, it, it's not even close. You're getting a 20-year-old, and the only, only thing I could see as a reason... This is also fun. Sorry, I just looked at one more note I had because I checked this too. Because of the Heisman thing. Caleb Williams is seven months older than him. Just, wow. Just, yeah, just wanted you to realize that. Um, Caleb Williams is seven months older than him. And if you're any bit intelligent, basically the only thing that I would close out with here on Anthony Richardson being the best offensive prospect in this draft and the best prospect in this draft in general is... If you are a general manager and you are located outside of the New York market, the L.A. market, and the Chicago market, you probably have enough control over your fan base to not have them go crazy and get someone like Zach Wilson, who we didn't even like. I'm just going to say that Zach Wilson did not play enough games to say that he's an awful quarterback. Neither of us liked him. Neither of us would have picked him high, but he did not get a fair shot at it. Is all I want to say. He should have played out his full rookie deal at the bare minimum to through year four. If you draft Anthony Richardson and you come out right away and you tell your fans, yeah, this guy's going to start for the next five years here, no matter what, as long as he's not injured, he's going to start here the next five years. And he knows that coming in. It's slightly unfair to other players because you want to say there's always competition. But more importantly, the fans are going to realize, oh my god, like I said, those two other guys that we could have had, Hendon Hooker or Stetson Bennett that are later rounds and like whatever, but some of them are putting Hendon Hooker into the first round. That guy is going to be as young as them five years into his career with five years of NFL experience. And by the way, he's a better athlete than any of the other quarterbacks and has more size than any other the other quarterbacks in the draft. And there's no doubt that by that point, he will have developed 
into even more of a freak and the only thing that you need to do is actually back him up with the confidence to do it and if you do that I guarantee he will be one of the best players in the league at that point in time when he's getting ready for his second deal to begin and I don't think I've said guarantee about any other players in the draft uh, before this or now I would guarantee if you followed that exact plan that would happen no, I. that is such a beautiful way to cap it off because I 100% agree. And that's why, to me, it sucks that the Giants probably aren't going to be the ones to get them. But, and I mean, also the Giants are in a, the New York market too, so there'd be immediate expectations on him, which I don't think is fair. I, I mean, the- I, I don't trust Houston to develop him. I think Houston would be a great spot for him to go or a team like Houston where it's just everyone already has it in their mind, and even the fans do too, of like, oh, we suck. So, it's like, okay, how about you suck, but you get to watch this guy develop over the next handful of years into a franchise quarterback? Yeah, and I I think I think ideally, if you don't, if you don't think that Josh Allen's like ability to climb the NFL ladder of tiers of quarterback has to do with the fact that he was in Buffalo and not somewhere else. I think I think you're a complete moron because yeah, if if they saw if they had what Josh Allen did in the first two years that he did in Buffalo in like you said that New York market potentially that Chicago market, but I'm still up in the air on it because. Justin Fields is really tough because it feels like they're able to shift the blame right now, but I, I'm they could turn on him very quick. And by the way, they were against him in his first season, if you don't remember, before he was running for Oh, the yeah, game. I know. And, yeah. and, then, and then, like I said, I say that LA market because it's just another big market, but ideally it's like the markets I think about immediately are like Buffalo, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Green Bay. I'm looking, I'm like trying to think of like the smallest NFL markets, but they're all clogged up right now, really, with their current quarterback plans. So it'll I'd be like really see- interesting to see where he goes, to see the what I literally one of the first things I, I will do when he gets drafted is see the size of the market that he goes to. Yeah, I I think just market wise, Indy and, and like market wise and where position in the draft is, Indy is probably the best spot for him to go, just because expectations are low as they are. And at least with him, the fans are getting stability instead of just some new old man that's coming in and getting rotated. Yeah. So yeah. you have that. And you have Gardner Minshew in the quarterback room with him. So he's got a buddy. Yeah. I, I think I think um I, I think like a and, and I think the only other way to do that, if you're a bigger market team, what's a bigger market team that could be looking at a quarterback? Okay, this is highly unlikely, but let's let's just run with it for this scenario since we've we've gone down this road. Miami, Miami drafts him. If Miami picks him, you (laughs) you need to have. Um, wow, we have went through so many names. I am I am just wrecking myself in terms. I I know Chris Greer's their GM, and I can't think of their their um head coach's name without an s on the end mcdaniel mike mcdaniel yeah it's just so many names i'm sorry mike mcdaniel one of them needs to have the strongest backbones in the history of the sport to be able to say hey guys i know this may be 
like a little rocky at the start. Like he may complete a third of his passes one game, but guess what? He completed three passes for 50 plus yard touchdowns. We're going to need to you guys to understand that over the course of this rookie contract, we give him the whole thing. He will be one of the best players in the NFL. So just relax for now. He may do it faster than we expect, but don't dog on him if he doesn't do it as quickly as we expect. And there's probably a better way to say that, but oh yeah. But like but, you have to try to do that if you're a bigger market team. Yeah, just thinking about a head coach coming in after they draft a quarterback and saying, "Give him time, give him 3-4 years." And I promise you he will become the best quarterback or one of the best quarterbacks in the league is like gives me chills just because I can't imagine a coach doing that. And if one did, even if it didn't work out, I would immediately respect that man forever. And yes, and you know exactly where we should both want him to go, where we believe that there's a head coach that could say this is Detroit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Detroit could do it. And they could have one of the best players in the NFL to finally end that Bobby Lane curse. It's too good, man. It's too good. Yeah. No. Well, I don't know if there was any bumps in the road with this for how it started, but hopefully it's progressed pretty well, and we've had some pretty strong takes that you can all disagree with in the comment section. If you watch this all the way through, I love you and can't believe that you exist as a human being, but... But with that being said, um, I think I'm, I'm all set for our offensive rankings. Are you? Yeah, I think we could cut this here.